0: happy friday what is going on welcome to the program pete calendar here news talk 1110 993 wbt and uh joining me in studio ninth congressional representative dan bishop welcome yep. back to the show how are you i'm great good to be here pete Happy uh, friday you're you're remarkably uh dressed up versus the last time you were wearing a blazer <laughs> last time but you got a, you got a tie on nowadays i just wanted to show you the proper respect that's oh okay yeah uh I actually heard something there was uh, this is not uh, this is not one of the uh, approved topics here no I'm kidding but the there I read something about ties being the new symbol of lower status now yeah, have you heard well, that it's yeah, well, like that all, would be appropriate for well, me. <laughs> all of the tech giants all of these like the 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 oh, powerful sure. people you see them now i the, the, the radio guys the radio guys yeah well we've always
1: never worn guys and always been a high status
0: exactly i just i I, <laughs> I do notice it now after i read the piece about how like you see defendants wearing the tie people brought before congress they're all wearing ties <laughs> but the, like zuckerberg it walks around elon musk they walk around in t-shirts and stuff it's like that's the new status symbol is i don't even have to dress up
1: yeah you know i don't think that works for old bald guys <laughs> uh and so well maybe some right maybe some. Uh, but i'm not anxious to join that i just put on a tie somebody told me out union county one of the counties i represent yeah a guy out there very great guys passed on now but he told me uh, after seeing me a couple times in a jacket without tie he said i expect my congressman to have on a tie
0: really <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> and so ever since then it's just been always yeah, no, uh, not always but but lots of times you never have to wear a tie to come in the tie boyd studio just uh, to, glad uh, to know. just for future reference all right so let's uh <laughs> let's get to it first off i saw your piece at uh carolina Journal.com talking about uh headline democrat judges repudiate north carolina voters uh i have spent i don't know if it's a disproportionate mm-hmm. amount of time talking about it. i think the case is important though i think it's i mean it's it, it's kind of outrageous that voters approved a constitutional amendment for voter ID and uh to lower the cap on the income tax the state income tax rate and those two got challenged and it's been years and now finally we've got three North Carolina Supreme Court judges, no offense but I call them just lawyers in in robes and uh they legislators just, in robes. Well, that's that's probably that's, that's probably a better description now. Right. And so, uh, you make the case uh, that they have upended the will of the people. So, so
1: and I actually think it's worse than that. I, and one of the things, Pete, about what you do is you do sort of dig into issues that it takes some attention to follow. And I think that's what the great thing is about the show, and why it's got a great following. Well, thanks. Um, but. On Hang that. on,
0: can we make a promo out of that? Sorry, <laughs> right, go ahead. Sorry, but
1: but I look, it's it's worth doing, and that's why you could say uh, you got plenty to to uh, say. Grace over in Washington, and certainly that is true. The outrages continue to come from there, but this is really remarkable. It's not just that the Supreme Court, by a bare partisan majority—four Democrats, three Republicans—overruled uh, the fact that the people voted. By ten point margins in the 2018 election, both voter ID and a state income tax cap of seven percent. It's what they said. It what they said about whenever the legislature ends up losing one of these district districting cases, which are going on perpetually. Yeah. Um, what they said is by virtue of the fact that, the, that they believe that in some cases the legislature is then impaired in its power to propose constitutional amendments. But the but the end result of that is. Whenever that situation obtains, the people have lost the power to amend the Constitution. That's that is. I mean, somebody ought to pause long enough to let that sink in, because that is that that is uh, that is such a fundamental upending of basic self governance in the United States of America that it would be unrecognizable to a founder. And that's what they have held is in any in sort of these uncertain and indefinite times. Whenever that occurs the General Assembly loses a redistricting case, the people can't amend their Constitution. And, you know, so one of the arguments they considered is, well, these things passed by 10-point margins. Should that be viewed a ratification, even whatever the problem was with the legislature? In the process
0: that got to the referendum.
1: Yeah, and they said no. They said no because uh, the the people might act rashly and on a whim in voting to amend their Constitution. I mean, that kind of uh, contempt for the... And and then they mouth these things about uh, what the Constitution says about all the power comes from the people and the people always retain the power to alter and amend their constitutional form of government. It just gives the lie to all of that. Whatever reasoning process would lead you to the conclusion that you're stripping the people of the power to amend their Constitution for indefinite periods of time, you came out to the wrong result.
0: Yeah, my understanding is essentially they set up a test where the lower court judge has to essentially conjure up uh, a hypothetical lawmaker for a district that got challenged and then redrawn so they would have to say well the person that's in that seat right now they wouldn't have won that seat so it's some other lawmaker that would be in there and that other lawmaker who i'm just imagining would vote in a different way for a different reason right and then they
1: actually had several tests mm-hmm. for whether the amendments would survive under the circumstances all highly subjective by the way, it appears to me one of them One of them is about whether the thing was discriminatory in some way. They're trying to take what has been federal constitutional law and under which this voter ID amendment's already been tested. It right. already went to federal judge in Greensboro. She, she stopped it. She was the first one to stop the voter ID, and then that went to the Fourth Circuit. She said it was discriminatory. They reversed. They said, no, not under Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court authority. They're trying to carve out a way to have another bite at that apple in the state under state law as well. So, but but I it, just think you know when you get down to that, look, all these other complications people might sh- shrug their shoulders at, but they need to understand that four Democrats sitting pur- pur- purporting to be judges, uh, in an unprecedented way, rejecting their own legal precedents, by the way, a 1939 case that was completely completely on point, decided to say that the people can't amend their Constitution at times. That that's enough. I mean, I can't imagine that voters that thank goodness. Voters retain the power to decide who their judges are in North Carolina. By the way, the liberals were against
0: that, too. Right. I remember and, the big push about 15 years ago to try and get that changed so they would be appointments for long terms. Yeah, that's a constant thing. When I was in the
1: state Senate, I sat on a select committee then which was that was exploring that. And that was the way the left wanted to go. That's the way the Brennan Center, big liberal organization for, you know, all things court, uh, wants to get rid of a popular election of judges. Yeah, boy, I wouldn't let it happen if I were a North Carolinian.
0: Well, and that's the other th- the other component there was the uh, the re- uh, application of the partisan labels onto the ballot for judge races because those got taken off for years. They were removed, right? And they said that would you know depoliticize the court, which of course gave cover for Democrat-aligned organizations to do slates of endorsements that just so happened to always endorse left wing judges. Sure. And and then nobody knew they didn't have the sort of the shortcut or the shorthand, the heuristic to know what a person's judicial philosophy might be and they'd have to go actually research every single judge running for state uh, office and most people don't do that.
1: And if you take this as an example of that, Pete, consider—I mean, one thing that you can say and communicate to voters very simply: this is four Democrats who hate the Republican-controlled legislature. Four Democrats decided to do this over three Republican judges that are opposed. If you're prevented from being able to explain it in those terms, well, how, what are people to make of it? Just that well, this is some mystery about the law I don't understand. Uh, but this that makes it pretty clear. Yeah, and people can also can know what to do to fix it.
0: Right. So the the uh, two of these. Um, these seats by the way are up on the uh ballot in november uh for uh, er- the Irvin seat uh, he's running for re-election but robin hudson is not as right. Right? She's, right. she's retired. so that's an
1: open seat that's an open seat i'll be voting republican
0: <laughs> that is a shocker <laughs> news talk 1110 993 3 wbt joining me is congressman dan bishop from north carolina's ninth congressional district um Let's talk about the FBI, shall we? Actually, let's let's start with let's start with Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, the Joe Rogan Experience. Let me play this clip for folks who may not have heard it yet. How do you guys handle
1: things when they're uh, a big news item that's controversial? Like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story. The New York Yeah, Post. we had this too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well. So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean basically the background here is the FBI I think basically came to us uh, some some folks on our team and was like, "Hey, um just so you know, like you should be on high alert, there was the we we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of of um uh, that's similar to that, so just be vigilant." So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. What, what we do is we have, um, if something is reported to us as potentially um, misinformation, important misinformation,
0: we we also have this third-party fact-checking program because we don't want to be deciding what's true and false. And <laughs> sorry for the <laughs> hang on a second. That was me uh, laughing. That was not Rogan or uh, that's me laughing. It's third party. But let me. All right, I'm just going to stop it right there because I think that's sort of the meat of. Uh, of what i want to address with you uh congressman is that first off he says just so you know uh that the fbi says to him just so you know like you should be on high alert because there was a lot of russian propaganda in 2016 and we have it on notice i don't know what that means but we have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of a dump that's similar to that so be vig- uh, be vigilant yeah. and That then prompted them when they saw, I guess, the New York Post story that broke the story about the laptop, Hunter Biden's laptop, that then uh, prompts the letter from the 57 intelligence officials that say, this looks like Russian disinformation, and that prompts Twitter to shut it down, which, by the way, Twitter, I think, says the same thing that the FBI told them, something similar, Um, but also uh, the Facebook people, they just pushed the story down in your feed so you wouldn't see it. Right. Right, so they throttled it and... Yeah. People who work in radio know exactly what that's about because Facebook has been doing it to radio stations for years. Mm-hmm. So they throttled, throttled it down, so you, it's essentially shadow banning on Twitter. Yeah. You, you could find it, but uh, some people say they couldn't even share the links. Limiting it to
1: distribution, you hear them say that.
0: Yeah, limiting it. The, and it was, he said, and it was meaningful. He says it a little bit later. Right. So it was a meaningful uh, response. Yeah. So to me, and I'm not a conspiracy theory kind of guy, but uh, to me, it indicates... FBI had the laptop, because we now know that due to the whistleblowers. Correct. They had the laptop in December 2019. And they then tell big tech, don't, uh, or just be aware that there's going to be some more Russian disinfo that comes out. Mm -hmm. Laptop story pops. Intel people say disinformation.
1: Former experts, right? Former Intel experts.
0: They can't say for sure. They say just, it looks like Mm -hmm. And big tech... Does the censoring. Follows the cue, censors the information
1: right before the election. Uh, Just to to jump around a little bit, uh, Jim Comey decides what to do about Hillary Clinton's emails in public uh, without the blessing of the Department of Justice, apparently, right before the election.
0: Uh, No reasonable prosecutor would bring the
1: case, (laughs) That's what he says. No reasonable prosecutor, even though you couldn't, even though I've never heard you know why I mean they, what they remember what they said about it about negligence it was like uh, wasn't willful negligence or something mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so you saw that one uh, you got uh, the Whitmer fednapping uh, plot all there is about that of course two people were acquitted. I know they just retried them and got and pushed the judge to change instructions. they convicted a couple of people, but it's a a, a FBI created plot sucked people into it announced it a month before the election in 2020. Uh, coordinate with Governor Whitmer. She goes out the next day, blames Trump. Uh, y- you know, the, um, every time we have an election, well, well take take. Uh, actually, I'm trying to think if there was timing connected to the election, but the, but I'm just the thing that's on my mind this morning is Ashley Biden's diary. Yeah, you get so the the Biden the the FBI decides to go and maybe for the first time ever we're going to find out, but they, for the. Uh, uh, make a federal case out of uh, a, a, a petty interstate transportation of allegedly stolen property, a diary mm-hmm. of the fir- of the president's daughter, which has salacious stuff in there about the president. Which James O'Keefe and Project Veritas didn't even publish. Okay, correct. And, and know, got that, raided for it. it right. Uh, I mean, how much of a pa- – how many – as you say, if you paint by dots, when do you get to see the pattern? If the pattern's not clear to an American, I'd like to know – why they say it's not, why it, how they explain all these these repeated occurrences. And, uh, and I think uh, people that I talk to everywhere, it's one of the things about doing this job, I come out and I'll talk to people back home, and I'm talking to a variety of people. It's not, lots of times conversations, they're not, not partisan in nature. People are, are afraid of the FBI.
0: I don't Are these like the old hippies from the 60s? No 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 no. No. Oh, okay. These are
1: these are older folks who're living... always afraid of yeah. the <laughs> FBI. For some reason they're not anymore. Yeah, criminals are going to be afraid of the FBI, I'm sure. Uh, and they should be we need an, a robust and respectable law enforcement function, but this is a whole different animal. They feel like this is where they're in a country they can't recognize.
0: Yeah. And I and I think it's got to change. So I take it from those comments that you do not read a lot of the replies to your uh, tweets. <laughs> <laughs> because the responses—I uh, think you sent one yesterday. It was about uh, something. Al- it was something related to the FBI and, and the Hunter Biden laptop. And I, I I go through and I read some of the responses to various tweets. I just do from time to time, sure. And the argument, as best I can tell, against this being a, a, a big deal is, and I'm going to quote: Hunter Biden's laptop. That's the best argument I've heard.
1: So, or they said, I didn't, the, the good thing I didn't vote for Hunter Biden. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Well, good they, thing they, they, even, they didn't. Maybe they somebody didn't vote for John H- uh, Haldeman or or whatever. I mean, they, yeah, the, from the Watergate. That, yeah, yeah.
0: So you you got uh, but her emails. Uh, this it's the equivalent response that they're now using for Hunter Biden's laptop. It's just like, oh, the rights upset because it's Hunter Biden's laptop. That's the. And it's not even really a rebuttal. It's just a statement of an inanimate object. You know, just saying oh, the laptop like. But as if that addresses the the core concerns here, which the timeline now, because there was what these other whistleblowers that came forward um that said the FBI told the rank and file, yeah yeah, slow roll this investigation
1: and and to those critics on Twitter there are two two very different levels here. One, I don't think they can debate with at all. So maybe you say, whoever gave the instruction, we don't want you looking at the Hunter Biden laptop because something might be on it that would then lead us somewhere, and so we're just going to shut our eyes to it. That's a problem. I mean, you, I don't think that uh, the Department of Justice should shut their eyes to criminality because yeah. of – but but let's go to the next level. When the FBI goes out to big tech and says, you know, if, if I don't know what interest the FBI would legitimately have – in in going out and warning them off of the Hunter Biden laptop, which was not Russian disinformation, and aligning themselves with uh, folks who would claim that it was and profess their you know their their former positions as basis to con- persuade people that that was true. So the FBI is part of a censorship regime. I, where where how do you justify that? Even Orange man
0: bad. Yeah, That's yeah how you even, justify. even if you don't
1: think Hunter Biden's a significant issue.
0: Yeah. Newstalk 1110 99.3 WBT in studio with me is Congressman Dan Bishop. And uh, when we set this up, we timed it specifically for the <laughs> for the release uh, of the uh, redacted affidavit in the Mar-a-Lago trans raid, as I call it, because it's a raid that doesn't identify as a raid. So it's a trans raid. So. <laughs> <laughs> the well, that's what they told us. It does. They, they were very upset when we called it a raid. So, uh, you know, we try to call things by their proper <laughs> pronouns. And so, um, the affidavit is out. And the affidavit, you're you're a lawyer. Tell us what is the what what is an affidavit in this process? What have we been waiting to see? So that's where
1: some, usually agent of the FBI, could be an informant, sets forth under oath factual statements about why the FBI has probable cause to believe that they're. That a crime may have been committed and, uh, and reasons for that the warrant should issue.
0: And they go to the judge, they ask the judge, can we get the warrant? Right. Judge says, I hate Trump so badly, I had to recuse myself off of this other case, but I agree. <laughs> Let's send you guys, and not the Miami FBI field agents, that, as that I understand was it. as I'm
1: looking here. It's Washington field office uh, agent. What a shock.
0: Right, which makes the, the locals look like idiots the uh, local fbi guys that have no idea mm. that a raid just went down
1: yeah maybe I, I don't think that's what they look like they they, they look like they're uh, acting like the fbi and it looks like uh, once again the people in washington are doing political stuff as mm-hmm. they always seem to be doing why would it be that the fbi field uh, the, the washington field office needs to be the one involved here maybe we'll find out but we're not going to find out from this this uh, release because <laughs>
0: Yeah, you yeah. were looking through – so I was looking through sort of the, the – uh, I guess the exhibits that were tacked on the back for the reasons, and basically mm-hmm. they said witness protection, agent protection. These are the reasons why the redactions were, uh, were done, and they don't want to give an investigative roadmap, uh, which could then frustrate their probe. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that being said – and they redacted a whole bunch of examples to, to, uh, under these headings – but it offers me just in the brief reading I did. I have no idea if it's warranted because right. it's all blacked out. Sure. You're looking at
1: the actual affidavit. I was trying to look at what's left, and uh, and there's a lot of you know preliminary recitals of the areas of law that would provide some basis for the FBI to be involved. And then I was, so I was trying to get to some facts. And I will say what I'm capable of looking at in the time we're sitting here and during a break is uh, it does seem to be very humdrum. I mean, they're, they're talking about uh, the possibility that classified documents could be improperly stored at Mar-a-Lago. Mm-hmm. And remember the thing about asking to put on a lock, and they did that? Why would they ask them to put on a lock if it was such a horrendous, uh, uh, dangerous proposition that uh, you know the nation's, security, uh, nation's secrets were at risk? Why wouldn't they say, you know, you've got to give us those boxes right now? They didn't say that. They said put a lock on, which they did the next day. Right. And uh, and so you know that that kind of stuff is here. All that for me, if, if that's the, what's in if that's what's in this affidavit, it it reinforces rather than answers the concerns about the FBI. It, why was it necessary and appropriate in after 250 years of history to conduct a criminal search at the home of a former president over documents under the presidential records act he's entitled to continue to have access to now whether or not they ought to be in the possession of the uh, national archives i don't think the law really settles i've looked at it pretty carefully but if 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 it was if that was the sign if it was that um, something of that moment of that importance why would they talk about putting a lock on and that's that's recited here right. uh i don't see anything in there about you know that, that some other entirely different basis uh that like uh the January 6th controversies or something that would justify it. So, once again, for me, I, I think the FBI has utterly lost any kind of uh, proportionality of judgment in the activities it undertakes. And every time I get, I sit on the Judiciary Committee, every time I get another opportunity to ask questions and get them not answered, um, my concern has deepened. Uh, it's time for a new church committee, but I think that what we face now is— magnitudes larger than what the church committee faced in the 1970s.
0: So I saw you made an appearance on another show. It's okay. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. It was Jesse. You caught me. It was on the, you were on with uh, Jesse Kelly, and uh, you said, I think it was in that appearance where you said, you think that the FBI needs to be essentially deconstructed and scattered Across the country, into the wind, just just break up this uh, break up this monolith and act as sort of a support service in various locations rather than a centralized authority.
1: Yeah, I, there's some interesting ideas going around about reforming the Department of Justice and the FBI. Uh, I think the FBI ought to be decentralized, and uh, its its agents ought to serve in teams under the supervision of United States attorneys at in all the judicial districts in the country. In my view. Uh, I think you ought to we, we should tr- radically shrink the Washington field office and corresponding reforms to the DOJ. I don't know precisely how to do those. That's one. Um, Andy McCarthy said the other day that he thinks that the that part of the mischief here is that the FBI is responsible is assigned responsibility for domestic intelligence functions, counterterrorism. And those are things that have been abused. Think back to the rosemary Collier, the the judge of the. Uh, the Foreign Intelligence Sur- Surveillance Court, the Fisk Court, um, with a 99-page opinion that talked about the thousands of searches by FBI contractors against uh, that were illegal against mm-hmm. the uh, NSA databases, uh, and about the fact that the FBI has had demonstrated uh, a, a culture of institutional lack of candor. And uh, th- these are and those were problems that were then that we're seeing we're we're seeing the, the modern you know the the up to date last minute manifestations of the same problem but but so so some have said as another reform take those Intel and counterterrorism functions and put them in another agency I you know I I think um, I think at the end of the day you've got to figure out who is the is you know the, the reason for the terrible misjudgments they're making and what is a and, and the culture has to be addressed some of those things I think that I've just discussed have merit uh, to be considered. But the main thing is we've got to dig in and exercise oversight sufficiently to know just how bad this is and, uh, and its many multifaceted parts and get a clear-eyed view of it. And only by that, I think we're going to galvanize Congress to do what's necessary to, to start the process for restoring an, a, a reputable uh, federal law enforcement function.
0: News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Trying to read through the uh, some of the documents and the reaction uh, with Congressman Dan Bishop here in studio. Um, the unsealing of this affidavit down in uh, Florida, but we still don't really know a lot. But uh, you had some more time during the break to, uh, to read through some of the stuff. It seems, dare I say, a different and inconsistent standard being applied in this case versus... Uh, the obvious parallel one, the obvious, obviously analogous Hillary Clinton, uh, right. Emails. And for your listeners who may not have that
1: currently in mind, remember how there was the dramatic appearance Jim Comey made before the media and explained that, uh, that there were, that there were in fact, uh, there was in fact classified information, including some top secret information, uh, in Hillary Clinton's emails that they'd been compromised by foreign powers, by the way. Uh, but that uh, the, the FBI was not going to proceed with the investigation or do anything else because they drew the conclusion that no reasonable prosecutor would bring a case. That even though the standard applicable to her was one of negligence, it was they had. I can't remember exactly what the phrasing was, but they said they, they didn't see any willful negligence or so, Sort of a contradiction in terms because negligence is just carelessness, right? Right.
0: And, which is precisely what uh, in she fact was they, said, of. they said they yeah. said it
1: was extremely careless but it wasn't negligent or something right. yeah something like right. that just just impossible uh, twist of language well here the language in this affidavit that does survive they're quoting statutes that talk about will uh, intentional um and malicious removing or destroying of documents and and so it, it direct contrast from the inference they seem to have drawn there the DOj and the FBI here draws an inference that is the opposite for president Trump possessing whatever documents were at Mar-a-Lago under lock and key as requested by the FBI. So again, I mean, maybe there's a way to reconcile all this, but FBI at at, war, at minimum seems to have no ability to pursue a consistent approach to how they are. They're going to stay out of uh, politics and all these things with political overtones. They are wildly erratic. well, they zig and zag, but the zigs and the zags seem to align with you know which party is being is has their ox being gored. Then mm-hmm. if it's if it's Hillary Clinton, Democrats, they uh, consistently seem to lean over in favor of them. If it's Donald Trump, they're they're on a mission to destroy him at every at every turn. Even when, and and they draw it out for at at length, you know it's just a, so so. If you look at the Mueller thing, two years of the president's uh uh administration consumed with that, you know, constant fights, constant Rachel Maddow talking about the walls are closing in, and there's nothing at the end of the day. Here, uh, this has happened now weeks ago, and how long is it going to take the FBI to go through 20 20 boxes of documents and decide what they're going to do with this case and proceed? Instead, they just draw it out, draw it out. After these, you know, salacious things have been dropped in public, the execution of a criminal search warrant against a former president, the process is the punishment
0: and you've got the leaking that occurs which is also part of the communication strategy for this, which
1: no one's ever held to account right no one's ever punished jim comey's never been punished
0: what was his name benjamin Wittis or whatever is his pal that that acted as the go between yeah
1: i don't remember the guy's name uh seemed like there was seemed like it was a different name but but in any event right he has a, he hasn't you know somebody's position per, in, intentionally positioned to be a conduit for him and to the media he exploits it in that way he's the director of the fbi he's never been prosecuted for it peter struck has a gig on cnn now sure andrew mccabe has been given you know after some time has been settled with and all of his uh pension and so forth re- restored to him no andrew Kleinsmith, i think the guy says is, Kleinsmith. Is mm-hmm. i'm not sure it's andrew but Kleinsmith, the Clinesmith. fbi lawyer who lied uh he's he was uh he, he was uh i think the worst thing that happened to him is he was disbarred in DC for temporarily and by the end of the same year he, he has his uh entitlement is, he's got it back back in the in the bar in good standing yeah uh when that's what I hear all the time is when is someone going to be held accountable
0: and, and that also undermines confidence in the system and the in the, the institutions upon which the society is built and you can't keep telling I mean and look people who are now on the left saying you know we need to hold you know Donald Trump should not be above the law, right? Like, if he violated the law, we need to prosecute. And I I agree, if people violate the law, then, yeah, you should prosecute. The problem is, that's not the standard that has been in operation until now, right? That's, that's also correct. And, and there's always a place for
1: prosecutorial discretion in the application of the law. You can... I mean, uh, Federal judge said to me one time at lunch, I can tell you everybody is a as a federal criminal if you look at them long enough, and uh, and I, I I knew what he meant. It, it, that's you find the target, then you sure. find the law. They it's the old Stalin uh, quote: uh, "Show me the man, and I'll show you. I'll show you the crime." Um, so there's always a place for judgment, but the place where the left or Biden exercises prosecutorial discretion, or the, or his folks do, seems to be when they're nullifying law entirely, like. Uh, 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 Obama's DACA decisions, or uh, any number of immigration things, uh, 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 Biden's decision to, without any clear authority, cancel 470 billion dollars of uh, of debt. Uh, that, much more to say about that. But,
0: yeah, because we're in an emergency, although right. we're not in an emergency for the Title 42 issue at the southern border. And you haven't been given the power to do that anyway. Right. And yet then he t-
1: sort of resorts to sort of a prosecutorial discretion or an administrative discretion idea to, to justify that. But no discretion is – but but the, where is that judgment being applied when the question is a squabble over documents that the president took with him out of his office? I mean, that, you just don't do it that way. You could have done it lots of different ways. If you could not get compliance with something you thought was very, really clear, and the question is just possessing some documents, you know, don't lose your mind. It, bring a civil claim and get an injunction to require the documents to be returned. Totally different. Uh, but And so after you see this, you know, this happen time and time and time again, most people draw the inference that there's something operating here more than than just sort of uh, poor judgment, it is. It's nefarious. It is sinister, and um, I'm telling you, when the American people begin concluding that, we're in trouble.
0: I am not. Uh, look, I I try to approach this stuff again for, with an open mind, try to see the different uh, sides of the argument, um, but I'm left to conclude nothing else. There, I mean, there isn't. At some point, there it is. The more reasonable belief that that is the case then this is all just, you know, orange man really is bad and he has done all of these things and now we're finally going to get him, you know, trick me once, shame on you, trick me twice, as George W. Bush said, You'll, you won't trick me again. So <laughs> that, like that's where I'm at now and I, I don't know where else to I, be.
1: I think a lot, a lot of people become convicted of this and I think, you know, in other words, they're convinced that this is a a, a really nefarious problem and I think uh, you know, I sit on judiciary with Jim Jordan. I, I expect if uh, Republicans win a majority and have gavels, uh, we're going to pursue this in an unprecedented way.
0: Will you have time to do it in a single term?
1: Well, it's, that's always the concern is how they can bog it down. And one of my arguments internally with lawyers that staff the committees and so forth is uh, we need to be creative and more aggressive, at, and, and we need to make things. I, there are ways to exercise oversight power in an unprecedented fashion. Um, I'm going to be about that. I'm not going to see
0: us be uh, log-rolled or stonewalled. Congressman Dan Bishop, Thanks for your time today, sir. Appreciate it. Great to be with you, Pete.